time for Bump and Run, the podcast all about golf. Here are your hosts, Bob and Jamie. And welcome to another edition of Bump and Run. I am Run. And I am Bump. Hello there, Mr. Bump. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Um, it's kind of the doldrums of golf season right now is actually even though there's a lot still going on like the lpj tour still has some big finales the european mm-hmm. tour still has a finale the champions tour still has a finale um but i noticed a guy on uh, twitter saying this is the time of year when he kind of starts to tune out a little bit maybe and uh, right. maybe not watch as much how about you are you still kind of dialed into it or what yeah i'm still following um you know as part of our job here um <laughs> yeah. still follow i i don't watch as much because it's you know, the PGA Tour has been over in Asia. They're just back now. And LPJ has obviously been in Asia for six weeks. So it's on at weird times. Yeah. So sure. the viewing has the viewing has slowed down. But the, you know, still plugging away as you are um, following our Canadians and other stories around the golf uh, world. Yeah. As, these, tr- as, as these seasons uh, end. Yeah, I'm still trying to, uh, you know, and keep an eye on the qualifying school for web.com mm-hmm. and a few things like that. But it's uh, it's definitely the time when I think people's interest wanes a little bit. And there's lots of stuff, yes. other stuff going on, of course, with uh, hockey up and NBA and NFL and all those other. Uh, you know, people probably stuff. tend to slow down when they stop playing. And yeah. even though we've had an extra long season this year uh, here in Canada for golfing, um, you know, people aren't playing. It's November. so. That's right. Um, and it, you know, again, if you don't have the golf channel, you're not watching these tournaments because they're only on the golf channel. That's right. So that's right. Um, you know, not not on mainstream television, like TSN. So, like, exactly. And there's <laughs> you know, there's no NBC weekends or CBS weekends, right? No. no um, exactly. Everything's on the golf channel, and uh, you know, people up. don't get as excited for these uh, fall events, even though you know, in Mexico this week. You know, you got Ricky Fowler's there, and Patrick Reed is there, and Zach Johnson. There's some really Pat good Perez. players. Pat, yeah, and guys like Patrick Cantley, who again, here's another young kid who, you know, seems to be over those back in that back injury, and you know, flies through to the FedEx Cup final and then wins. You know, exactly. so you know, it's just another guy to add to the watch list for twenty somethings. Okay, so what we want to talk about uh, today, a couple of different things, but one of them is interesting is that on Thursday evening of this week, uh, Mike Weir is going to be inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, that's, well that's a, yeah, I mean, man, the guy's got a thousand things that honors and stuff. So he's been in the Ontario Golf Hall of Fame, the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. The He's also the Order of Canada. He's got a park named after him in Brights Grove. He's even got a street <laughs> named after him down in, in Draper, Utah, where he makes his home down there. He's actually, I think he's in Provo or Sandy or something weird, mm-hmm. a little town out there. But anyway, in that in that area, he's got a, a street named after him. So this is just the latest uh, latest gong to add to his uh, his list, and uh, it's it's well deserved, as you said. I th- I think mm-hmm. it's funny. I was looking on a on a chat board where some people were talking about it, and they said, you know, I don't know if Mike Weir deserves to be in there. And and all he's seen, you know, he, a lot of people think all he won was the Masters, but if you right. look at his record, I mean, you know. Eight wins and eight wins, quality wins, the quality wins. Yeah, you know, Air Canada Championship was his first one, probably not the strongest field, um, but you know, you win at Riviera twice, right? Tour Good. Championship, a WGC event yeah. in Valderrama, Spain, um, where Tiger Woods was in. Like again, he beat Tiger. 
Tiger was in in the hunt in that tournament. Um, that I remember, I remember being in the newsmith that time, and there was no broadcast um, at TSN, no broadcast of that one, and we were just wow. following along at the live scoring online. <laughs> and and uh, what is it, the 18th hole that's the over the water at yeah, Valderrama? I think it's 18 or 17. That 18 crazy. or 17. And everybody was coming to that hole, and everybody was putting it in the water. And then Wiersey was in the final group, and ended up putting it on, making par, and winning the tournament. Yeah. And one of those guys was Tiger Woods. There he goes. So, um, you know, and then you win a major. Sure. Uh, only Canadian to do so. Best player in Canadian history. Maybe male to do so. Male, yeah. Male, sorry. And, 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 um, and here's something else that's, that's interesting. So he's got the uh, he's got the major win, but he's also got uh, 10 other top 10 finishes in majors. Right. In his career, he's got eight wins, but overall, <clears throat> 10 runner-up finishes, eight mm-hmm. thirds, 69 top tens, and 140 top uh, 25 finishes for uh, 27, almost $28 million in winnings. And don't forget, this came at a time when arguably it was as competitive as any on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods right. was in his prime, Phil Mickelson, Ernie Els. I mean, you look at the, the, the competition he had, that's a right. pretty impressive record. It is a pretty impressive record. You look, you know, you know, eight PJ Tour wins is nothing to to just well, hey, PJ Tour wins. I, you know, it's it's not that easy to win out there. Just ask, right. just ask a ton of guys that have, you know, you know, like a David Toms. Take a David Toms. You know, like could have probably won more. Didn't. Um, you know, it's. You know, look at Graham Dillette and David Hearn, who come so right. close both times, right. and you know not be able to get the first one, let alone eight. So I think it's it's uh, there's a lot. It's interesting though. Like Alan Shipnick for the Sports Illustrated, he thinks that Mike Weir's Masters win was like the the strangest win by a guy like who never only won one major. And I I argued with him about that, pointing out the record that he's got. Um, but you know, in any case, I think in Canadian circles, he's certainly uh, well lauded, and people understand. Just how good he is, and and what he's done. Because if you look at that class of players now mm-hmm. that are playing, you know they're pretty much all guys who said, "Yeah, they watched Mike Weir win the Masters." Right, exactly. So exactly. Uh, but you know, and again, you know, his eight wins, and you look at guys that are around there; these are good players, right? You know, a guy like Jim Colbert, Roberto DiVincenzo, these guys, Brad Faxon, Fred Funk, Lee Jansen. You know, they yeah, all, all have eight, all have all good players and all of eight wins. You know, uh, Jay Haas had nine wins. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's, you know, it's not easy to win out there. There's a, you keep going down, like Lauren Roberts, Jerry Pate, Jeff Ogilvie, Brant Snedeker's got eight wins. You know, I know Justin Rose will probably add to that, so will Brant, but uh, Chi-Chi Rodriguez, Rodriguez eight, eight <laughs> You're going to say Rodriguez. I was going to say it because that's how we always say it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just they're, they're major champions. David Graham, Steve Jones, these guys all have eight wins and a major. Jeff Ogilvie's got a major. So, you know, it's it's yeah. not easy to win on, on the tour. And, you know, he had the most dominant player, arguably one of the most dominant players ever in his era. Yeah. So. No, exactly. uh, but you know, and he was number three in the world at one point. So, um, now uh, do you have a fa- we've we've covered Mike Weir forever, a thousand years, and and we've had mm-hmm. some interesting moments with him and stuff over the years. But have you got a favorite? Have you got the a favorite of that stands out, good or bad well, or indifferent? It was well, <laughs> I don't want to tell the bad one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, tell it. <laughs> okay, so uh, at the PGA at Oakland uh, Oakland Hills. 
in 03. It was that was the one, right? No, it was yep. Baltasar. No, right? so it was Sorry, it's Baltasar in 05. Uh, we obviously follow him and we shoot him um, quite often. And uh, at one point in time, he was doing pretty well. And then we we left him for a bit and then came back and picked him up on another hole. And he had not been doing well since we had left him. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we were... We were we did on one tee. He asked us just to stay a little bit further back from him, and we're like, no problem. We're we're fine to do exactly what he wants. We don't want to disrupt him. We're just trying to get our shots. So we come around to a couple holes later. We're like not even anywhere. We're we saw him off the tee. We didn't shoot him off the tee, and he had hit it in the rough, and it was thick rough at Baltus Roll, and he was on a down slope and thick rough, and he we were we were driving up to the green to get him to get him there um and we were well off the path well off the path to get to this green uh he chunked he chunked it out so now he was two and then there's another one he just punched out because the rough was so thick uh so thick that year and uh we were walking up to the green and he was mad like he was <laughs> he was upset i think he doubled the hole we sh- we shot it we moved on and I forget if he said something. I wasn't sure if he said something to us or he was just glaring at us. <laughs> and uh, after the round, after the round, I know you, you told, I, I think he said something to you in the interview, didn't he? Or after the interview? He did, after the interview, yeah. And he apologized and everything. And then we, we were with uh, his caddy, Brennan Little, and which uh, he goes, look, don't worry about it. He was either going to yell at you guys or he was going to yell at me. I'm just glad it was you guys. <laughs> he said he said that we were moving and we distracted him from like 220 yards away. Yeah. Behind a, we were behind trees. We were behind a tree it's at like the, the time. Uh, that was pretty funny. I, I actually told Mike that story. He laughs because it's the one thing about Mike is he's got this reputation as being very intense on the golf course. Mm-hmm. He was not an easy guy to, to caddy for. Uh, but off the course, like he just he left it all on, off the course. He was fine. Yeah. Uh, one time I had to interview him, and he was uh, playing at the Air Canada, no, at the Canadian Open. It was the Canadian Hamilton. Open. Uh, Canadian Open at Hamilton. He was not very. He was not happy about something that happened, and he was mad. And he came over to do the live live interview. This is when we were doing live television. Yeah. So they threw it down. And the question I asked him, which I thought was decent, was I said, Mike, playing in front of the home country fans is there is there like a lot more pressure on you do you feel like you have to perform a little bit more and he looked at me and he went come on bob and he <laughs> he said and he was mad he said i played in the masters i played in majors this doesn't bother me he was really offended by the question but really he was just offended because he was mad yeah he was and mad. he was he was upset about something that uh, happened off the golf course but the uh and he doesn't remember that because i reminded him about it a couple times but he doesn't remember but as i say he leaves it on the golf course pretty well uh, he's also had been very, very generous, very, very fun with us so many times over the oh, years. Man, like uh, I remember my first Masters. You had been to the Masters a few times. It was the year after, the year after he won, and I was at my first Masters. And remember, we watched the Red Wings playoff game. That's Detroit, he's a Detroit Red Wings fan, so am I. We watched the Detroit Red Wings playoff game at his house, drinking the Molson beer that had weird beer. It had a whole bunch of stuff. I, I sat in between Tony McKegney and Joe Carter, and Tony <laughs> McKegney played for the Wings, and all we're doing is watching the Wings and the Predators, I believe it was. Uh, and then to work with him uh, when he did for the Masters, you know, he's always been great with his time for us. Yeah, um, that's never, one thing. Yeah, he never, like he's had bad rounds and he's had good rounds, 
Um, he may make you wait after the bad rounds to go work on something, but he always comes over. Yeah. Um, so I can remember. I can remember at Shinnecock, the year of the terrible greens. We were yes. waiting to do a one-on-one with him, and he had he was practicing his putting, and he said, "I just want to make this one putt, and then I'll do the interview." Well, this one putt was sort of like it was like one of the plinko games, and it would just bounce around, bump, 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 bump. Didn't matter how well he hit it or how poorly he hit it; it wasn't going to go in. And it literally took half an hour for him to sink this one putt. But he was so determined. He sat there and tried it over and over and over again while we waited to try and do this interview and miss our dinner. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I often thought about the, if, I, if I added up all the time that I spent waiting for to interview Mike Weir, it would probably be probably be a year or so. Yeah, that's a lot of time. It's, anyway. uh, but he's he's a great guy, and he always you know what when he did one on ones with you, especially he was always great in those interviews. Um, scrum situations are always uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but I think he's he always, always a little worried about who he wants to trust and who he can trust right, and what exactly. he can say. But I think that's the same for a lot of people. It probably is, but in a in a solo setting with you, um, he was always great a great interview and and again always generous with his time. So yeah, um, he deserves to be in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Um, here's here's two more quick stories I'll tell you about Mike Weir. First of all. Um, for for many years, I ghost wrote his blog, mm-hmm. which I probably shouldn't admit to, but I did. After a round, I would, he would tell me what he was thinking about, and then I would write it and send it in, and, and he, they would post it up on his website. And his website was pretty pretty active back in those days. And in return, he said, you know, I, we should pay you for this. And I said, oh, I don't want to get paid for it. I said, but what he did was he sponsored my son's hockey team at the time. Mm-hmm. So we we were the MikeWeir.com Dodgers, and uh, we had we had his name on the back of our uh, – of our uh, hockey sweaters, and uh, in our we bought practice sweaters one year. And we had the famous logo of you know his Mike Weir logo with his hand up in the air after you made that putt in the in the Masters. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So he, I mean, there's something something that you know he didn't have to do that, but he did. He went under the way, and and we had a pretty good uh, we had a, we had a team where you know there were some kids there who didn't come from the the best of upbringings. So without Mike's sponsorship, I don't know if they would have been playing, let alone. Uh, playing in tournaments and having mm-hmm. cool equipment and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's um, charitably in Canada great as well. Um, with his time and, and his efforts uh, to raise money and awareness for, uh, for everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's and a well-deserved one, honor, right? Yeah, and the one other thing was interesting. We were chatting last week. He was telling me about the President's Cup. And he was saying, I said, you know, are you going to lobby for any changes, you guys? He said, well, actually, we had a debrief with the, with the PGA Tour. He himself was on the phone with the people from the PGA Tour. And they asked him about a whole bunch of different things. And one of the interesting things I did not know was that the assistant captains cannot give information to the players. So he, this is the example that, I, that he used. I thought me. they could. I thought one person could. Only the captain can. So the captain really? can do it. But Nick, if Mike is standing on the 10th tee at Liberty National, which was the right. par three right by the water, wind blowing in, and guys are having all sorts of trouble getting it close, he can't tell them what – he can't tell the player. Let's say it's Louis Oosthuizen playing. He can't tell Louis Oosthuizen what Charles Schwartzel hit the group before him. Right. He can't say, sorry, the wind's coming in off the left and Charles hit a seven iron. Does that help you? And he's not allowed to do that. So he thought that only Nick Price apparently can do that. So Right, yeah, that's why Stricker was on that hole. Now that right. I now that I remember it. He he would he would sit on the tenth hole for every group to go through. Yeah. Exactly. It's surprising. Yeah, well, I guess I guess in fairness of competition, you don't get to do that. Um you don't get that in a normal tournament. No, but, uh, but, but it's think... interesting that that uh it's not a normal tournament, so I just thought, right. man, give these guys a little something to do. So basically, he said, once the tournament starts, he's just a cheerleader out there. He's just like, right. go team. 
Anyway, um, what else do we we're going to talk about? Uh, Tiger did an interesting podcast this last mm-hmm. week uh, with Gene Gino Gino Oriema, who's the uh, legendary head coach of the UConn women's basketball team. Right, and the reason he did this is because Gino is uh, really good pals with Joe LaCava, who is uh, mm-hmm. Tiger's caddy. And that was one of the interesting the key, things that came out was that, yeah. of course, everybody's wondering about poor Joe LaCava hasn't been working, even though Tiger said he offered to set him up with a young player's bag. But he, he pays him a yearly salary. So he's been sitting on the sidelines, I guess, collecting money um, and getting getting his getting paid. Because I was wondering if he was just like eating craft dinner and living on the shoebox or something. But... Uh, but apparently he's like he's got kids in college and stuff too, so Tiger's been right. pretty good that way. The other interesting thing that came out was about Tiger saying that maybe it's time to roll back the ball. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What did you think about those comments? You know, this isn't something new to to the golf world. Um, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, um, Arnie before his death were all in favor of that. Um, bifurcation is the code word. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I'm all for dialing back the golf ball. Um, going to one ball, I'm not so sure. Every ball company can do this. Look at all the balls. Probably do sim- mostly the same things, anyways. In this day and age, there's no secrets, really. I don't believe. Yeah. I could be totally wrong, but I don't believe so. Um, but yeah, I think I, I do think they need to. You know, there are certain sports like tennis. Uh, figure skating right now is going through that as well with you know the amount of technical components that uh, that these jumpers now get and the skating's kind of they're worried that the skating's kind of getting left behind and it's a jumping contest um, and golf you know when whenever I talk about that I mention golf you know these guys kill the ball right you're flying guys are flying flying balls 330 340 uh, no problem um, a lot of courses are becoming too short. And there's just his point about not enough property to make these large courses is accurate. Um, so some sort of dialing back of the golf ball, I don't know what the percentage is, 10%, um, I think is probably probably something that is needed uh, soon. So so do you think Tiger, with his all his cachet and stuff, if he still has any, do you think his words carry more? Um, weight now with the USJ and RNA, like you've got obviously Jack Nicholas has been after this for years and nothing yeah, happened. But what do you think about Tiger? Well, I th- I think he can. I think he definitely can help. Don't you? I do. I think it's yeah. it's starting to sway the. It's not just uh, an old guy, you know. Like no offense to Jack Nicholas, but he's an older player. And right. He remembers the good old days and the kind of thing. You can you can make that claim, but I think Tiger is still relevant in terms of today's uh, players about talking right. about it. But but. And so I think it will have some weight, whether it happens or not. Like they were talking yeah. about how it could happen at the at the Masters, and there was an interesting um, interesting case made by uh, uh, Matt Kuchar's caddy, who said, "What you do is Augusta National goes to the manufacturers and said, okay, here's the limits you can put on the ball. Here are the specifications, so you can make a ball for any of your players. And players, if you don't want to play those balls, we'll have a uh, tournament ball ready for you. Right. Here you go. You can play this, but this is how it's going to be at our tournament." And they're about the only ones I think you could make that mm-hmm. kind of switch, right? And again, because they hold so much weight, and you know, you, we know the U.S. Open courses are going to eight thousand yards as it is now, right? Yeah, um, ridiculous lengths. There's not a you know we've been to Augusta. There's you know they have to buy up property. They don't have property to expand past what they have. Um, it's not easy just to add length to this course, and they've done it a few times already. 
but if you're looking at the 13th hole, right? We've been back there. We see there's no room back there. No, that's so right. that's why they're going through the process of that's buying it. up behind the what the Augusta Country Club, right? Um, so they could do it. I, I'm I'm glad the suggestion was to go to the manufacturers and say these are the specs. Um, how they're going to go about enforcing that, and unless they're going to be waiting for them at Augusta National, all tested, um, you know, guys will get around it. Um, I, I, maybe I'm too, maybe I'm cynical, but I think they'll get around it. Um, yeah. I think, and that's where I say like one ball, you can't just go to Augusta and play an Augusta ball. Um, I like the idea of going to the manufacturers and saying, these are our specs. Yeah, it's uh, just, it's it's going to be, unless you get a wholesale change, like, you know, tennis was the good example, which they brought up in the podcast, right. where they slowed the ball down, right? Yes, and and I think that's kind of cool that they could do that. But I think right now it's there's such a uh, a tough difference between us guy regular guys who want to hit the ball further and make the game more enjoyable to those guys on the PGA Tour, as you said, who are hitting at 340. Right. And I don't know how you bridge the gap because you're going to have to unless you do have two different a, a PGA Tour ball or a A level ball and a B level ball. It could be. And that's what you need. Like we're talking at the like for me, I'm talking at the professional level. And maybe high amateur level, but the professional level, like for us guy, for us, I just use any ball. It doesn't really matter to me, right? I, I grab a ball out of my bag and tee it up and go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think the restrictions need to be made on the day-to-day golfer. They no. do, but the way these guys who are now athletes, like they're more athletic than they've ever have been in golf. And again, you know, people that say Tiger, well, he can't compete with these guys. He's, it's ridiculous. The guy hit, the guy pounded a hard golf ball. Uh, basically, what? A no spin golf ball? Yep. And he pounded it. Like, he was the longest guy out there. Yeah, and, for sure. And, you know, it's just, you know, we're at a time, we're at a time right now where it's, we're really on the cusp of golf courses being obsolete. However, I suspect nothing will be done. Right. Like, this <laughs> isn't anything that's going to happen in the next year or two. This is five years down the road at least, right? Yeah, Don't you agree? It's a little difficult because it's because you're talking about restraint of trade if you go to the – unless, you know, if you yeah. say to the manufacturers, this is what's going to happen, you have to work with them. Right. And I'm not sure how much they want because it's like anything in in sports. Everyone likes the big hit, the big shot, the you know, in, in hockey or the – and everyone likes to see someone go faster in the Olympics, so right. it's going to be pretty tough to kind of get this thing going. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, it's um, hard. It's it's hard to do. That. Like, look at how long it took him to do rule changes, right? Right. It's, now, it's, I like the rule changes. At least they're, right. they're common sense, but, boy, they could have been done a long time, and most people yes. play by these rules anyway. Right. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Oh, listen. We have some, uh, I have some news. You were moonlighting. I'm not sure about this. Oh. You are on another podcast. <laughs> Thank you God I on... didn't say, oh, yeah, welcome to the Rubber Boots Podcast. <laughs> yeah, you are on the Rubber Boots Podcast. you got to yes, tell us about your experience about that uh, that B-level uh, podcast, speaking of rule changes, by <laughs> verification. We How actually, was it? I, it was pretty good. It was, it's always fun. You know, um, and it, James almost let my name slip out, even though oh. if you listen to this podcast, everybody knows my name. Yeah. But he, he calls me Bump on the podcast. And I wore the I wore the caddy bib that I used to caddy for him at the Canadian <laughs> Open this year. So, was, so we were t- we were telling stories about uh, his play at the Canadian Open. 
Um, he was in the pretty all-star foursome there with uh, Ollie Schneider-Jens. Yeah. the pro, but they had was Connor Brown. And Connor Brown of the Leafs and uh, Cal Clutterbuck of the Islanders. Yeah, it was pretty uh, who's good. A, who's a, a scratch golfer, essentially. Like he, James got strokes, and Connor Brown's Connor Brown got strokes in certain holes, and uh, Cal Clutterbuck got zero strokes. Wow. So uh, he was really good, really good. We should point out that the Rubber Boots podcast are actually two guys who work with us at the Masters, James That's Duffy right. and Puffy. Lester doesn't, but we're going to steal Lester. Yeah, maybe he can come down and just be our music guy when we're eating yeah, we're dinner get at the house. we're going to get him at least to do a, well, we should get him to do a, a musical interlude for us somehow for uh, for this podcast. We are going to have, I'm trying to get some uh, some special guest voiceover work done by, uh, well, I won't tell you who, because it could be a yeah, variety of different people, but that hopefully will be coming in the next couple of weeks before we go to Christmas. Maybe we should get uh, Emilio, who's uh, on hiatus of the Rubber Boots podcast, <laughs> to do <laughs> to do our podcast, considering he's... Uh, uh... He's, he's, on, left, he's, he's left Rod Smith for now. Yeah, he's oh, left Rod Smith for now. That's breaking news. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's be coming, coming out, out of the next edition. will be coming okay. out of the next podcast. Stay tuned See. to what happens to Emilio so in the next podcast. Of, you've kind of scooped the Rubber Boots podcast with that news. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put that in our little uh, blurb when we post this today. Mm-hmm. Emilio it's, has it's left. Promoting the Rubber Boots podcast as well. Yes. They do a pretty good job of helping us out too. So Yes. It's not too bad. Not too um, bad. Weirdest right. injury of the week? Yes. <laughs> uh, just for if you're not following around, Hendrik Stenson will likely miss the final two European events, including the race to Dubai, uh, in a, uh, which is not this week, it's next week. Um, because of a rib injury, he sustained while being suspended uh, <laughs> in the air during a photo shoot at the WGC in China. If you didn't see this, there's actually a behind-the-scenes YouTube video of them putting this together. Yes. And essentially, they had uh, they had Hideki Matsuyama, who's the defending champion, sitting at a table with a trophy, and then behind him, hanging from wires, <laughs> Dustin Johnson, <laughs> Hao Tang Lee, and uh, and Henrik Stenson <laughs> looking Stenson like superheroes, trying to steal the cup. And he was uh, he had a uh, interesting Henrik Stenson, who's got one of the best sense of humor on the yes. uh, on the PGA Tour. He said that. Um, he said that uh, I'm not a su- superhero, even though many of you think I am. So, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but apparently, his rib is not is now hurting. He, pl- he after Turkey, he said he thinks he's got to shut it down. Well, he's so gonna, he's, strangest the injury th- of the week. The funny thing was, he was just added to the field at the Hero that's World right, Challenge. At the Hero, that's right. So he's taking Jason Day's spot, uh, and and also uh, Kevin Chappell's taking Mark Leishman's spot. Mark Leishman's right. going to go play golf. Uh, Jason Day in Australia. Jason Day is going to go home and be with his pregnant wife. She's not pregnant till June, but she could not be do, having not trouble. Not due till June. Due June. June. Yeah, she, yeah, she's going to be pregnant. She's going to be pregnant. She's pre- currently pregnant. <laughs> she, he might miss the U.S. Open though. So yeah, there you go. And they're off to Which see. Is, that's but the, for a birth just of a, a bizarre. Child, okay. I, I laughed when I saw that. When I saw that, uh, I didn't laugh that Jason Day stayed home with his wife. Sorry, people. That's not what I'm saying. I laughed when I saw that Henrik Stenson news. It was. There are some bizarre, you know, injuries over the years. Like I remember, uh, Brant Snedeker broke a rib sneezing, which which isn't that. <laughs> well, unu- how about DJ that at the ma- How about DJ at the Masters this year? Yeah, slipping, Slid, his, slipped down the stairs, and boom, he uh, lost uh, <laughs> any momentum he had for the year. Um, There's and then how about the uh, remember remember Padraig Harrington this year got hit by one of the players in his pro am. Like the guy was taking a swing and hit. <laughs> On yes, the arm, that's he missed, right. he arm, missed a couple like, of broke tournaments. Broke his arm, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know he broke his... it, but he, he missed he a couple of back. tournaments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to stay out of the way of those amateurs. <laughs> Be so careful. Some, we should do a show on bizarre 
rip, bizarre injuries. <clears throat> that would be a good one. That would be anyway. a good one. There's tons of those videos around. Anyway, uh, all right, we will. Uh, let's let's bring this to a close. Okay. Uh, because we've wandered far enough, and um, um, I'm actually meeting today with somebody who might be a new sponsor for next year, or give us some prizes to give away. Really? About that? Yeah. Well, that would be terrific. That would be kind of cool. We'll fill you in on that. And is it perhaps James Duffy? <laughs> he's he's giving Duffy. us signed copies of his. He's book. giving signed copies of his book and uh, and a leaf sweater with Duffy on the name on the back of it. <laughs> Game worn by his yeah. his daughter. <laughs> it's right now. That, that one's not available anymore. Currently, currently not the, available. You know what I'll do on my uh, on the Bob Weeks uh, uh, Instagram account? I'll post the uh, the Mike Weir practice sweater picture, so you guys can have a look and see what it, uh, mm-hmm. what it looks like. It's pretty cool. Funny sponsored my kids team. All right, that's it for another edition of Bump and Run. Uh, I'm Run. And I'm Bump, and we'll talk to you next time.